Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 461, Integration of Psychology and Christianity. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hi, welcome to Unit 3. We're going to be talking about worldview integration. So in the past two units, we have talked about Christian worldview, but now we're going to shift more into worldview integration. We're also going to look briefly at a history of integration that's not in your books, but I think it's helpful for you to understand and know. So we're going to review a brief history of integration and what the domains-based approach is from your Hathaway and Yarhouse book. We're going to talk about the different worldviews in modern psychology and understand the topic of integration as taught in secular institutions. Um, and explain the worldview domain of psychology and Christianity. So Hathaway and Yarhouse are approaching integration from something that they refer to as a domains approach. And so they define a domain as an area of life which has perceptible demarcations, soft boundaries, responsibilities, and activities that characterize its area of life. And so you can almost picture it like a Venn diagram where you have the two circles that overlap. Um, in fact, that's how they have it labeled in the book when they're talking about their domains approach. They have the five overlapping circles. So their five domains are in the worldview domain, the theoretical domain, the applied domain, the role domain, and the personal domain. Now I'm going to give you their definition of each domain and kind of briefly explain each one, but then we're going to focus today on the worldview domain. So the worldview domain is an attempt to reposition psychology with a cognitive frame that is coherently embedded with, within Christian thought and premised on Christian assumptions. And so in other words, we're trying to take a Christian worldview and we're trying to take a psychological worldview. We're trying to reposition that psychological worldview within a Christian worldview. Within the theoretical domain, it's defined as an attempt to construct synthesize or correlate Christian thought with psychological theory. And so this is where we get our different theories or understandings of psychology of man. Um, this could be anything from a Christian theory on understanding how man works to like attachment theory. Um, these theories come from a worldview. So in other words, our, our worldview is that foundation. The theory comes from that. And then from the theory, then we get to the applied domain. It's an attempt to either culturally adapt or accommodate secular interventions or helping approaches for use for the Christian population or develop explicitly Christian interventions and helping approaches derived from Christian thought and practice. In other words, we're taking our theory, which comes from our worldview, and we're trying to find ways to best help people. And these are the things we actually do. That's why it's called the applied domain. These are the interventions or the things that I do with my clients. Then we have role integration. It's essentially the professional aspects of our job. So it could be the notes that I take. It could be my participation on a professional board. It could be my role as a counselor. It could be my role as an educator or 
as a supervisor. So these are the different roles that we take. And then finally, personal integration. That gets back to that um, spiritual formation, that personal development um, that so greatly impacts how we do our jobs professionally. So um, Yarhouse and Hathaway talk about how there are two books written by God. One is the Bible and the other is creation. And I've put the word books in, in um, quotes because creation is not necessarily a book that we read the way we do the Bible, but it is a way that God has revealed himself to man. So God has revealed himself through creation and also through scripture. And so we talked about this in the last unit. What role should scripture have? Should it provide a full psychology or is it meant more to reveal God to man but not man to man? In other words, would it provide a full psychology or not? So if creation then is a second book, then as Christians, we should be engaging with the second book. We should be trying to understand it better. And science is that tool. That's what we use. We talked about this the last two units. And we want to continue to emphasize that science is our tool for understanding God's creation. And it's a way for us to understand God more. Again, not for salvation. Only scripture does that. We've talked about this needing to be humble in our approach. So we can't reconcile all things because we're sinful. Our minds are finite and we are limited and we can be wrong about things. And so remember, we talked about this in the last unit. So some of this is kind of a recap, just expanding on that a little bit with this idea of two books. Now, briefly, we have this, um, the history of psychology and Christianity. And I think this is really important. This is one of the things that really solidified the idea of integration for me. We see psychology been around since the Old Testament times. And a lot of this is not in your book. I've added in some of this. Some of this is from a uh, pastoral care book, actually, by Odin. I have it cited at the end. You can check that out. I also have it in my office here on campus if you want to come look at it, if you're on campus. And But we see how psychology has been around since Old Testament times. They just didn't use the term psychology. Um, that's just the more modern term. But understanding man, how man works, has been happening for a very long time. Early church fathers and Christian thinkers have historically been influenced by secular um, thinkers, such as Plato and Aristotle. I love this quote by Justin Martyr. It says, Whatever truth has been fittingly spoken in human history is also therefore the property of Christians. Indeed, all these writers were enabled to glimpse dimly the truth through the sowing of the implanted word that was in them. And I love this quote because, one, we're going all the way back to Justin Martyr. And hearing him say that even secular thinkers and writers can say something that's true. And if they say something that's true, we can embrace that because all truth is God's truth. And again, this gets way back into worldview, just trying to tie all this back in from what we've talked about. So we have Thomas Aquinas, who is considered one of the greatest Christian thinkers. He was influenced by Augustine, also by Aristotle. And what he tried to do was unify Augustinian and Aristotelian thought. Now, 
his students began leaning too heavily on Aristotle to the neglect of Christian theology. And so we can see how the pendulum can swing too far one way or the other. But that's not to say that we can't use secular thinkers when we're trying to understand more the nature of man and how God designed man to work. Now, as we move from the Reformation to modernism, um, you have a lot of influential philosophers who claim Christianity after the Middle Ages, like Descartes, John Locke, Thomas Reed, Blaise pa Pascal. Um, and again, you continue to see the influence of Plato and Aristotle. John Locke, the mind is a blank slate that experiences different things. Descartes believes some ideas were innate. And so you can see how the influence of Plato and Aristotle, who were definitely not Christian thinkers, has influenced Christian thought for hundreds and thousands of years. And so as we go, continue from Reformation modernism, the focus is on the individual's ability to reason. And so previously, religious faith was very much tied together with science. But as we get into what's called modernism, you start to see much more individualistic thinking. It becomes much more focused on that person's ability to think and to reason. Knowledge starts to actually become more objective. And in turn, you also see a reduction in religious belief. This is actually what typifies the modern modernism um, time period is this human knowledge is based on reason, experience, and observation. And this is the foundation for empirical scientific research. When we're looking at empirical scientific research, we're trying to measure what is observable. And then we take that data and we interpret it and then we apply it. And this grew out of modernism. And so you can see the shift from the religion and science blending to science becoming its own field. In, in addition to all this, you have something called positivism. Now, don't get confused with all the isms. It can be a little bit confusing. You may even feel a little bit overwhelmed by all of the isms. Just really pay attention to the lecture and what I cover in the lecture, and you'll be okay. And so positivism is just stating that everything can be tested it's focusing on everything that can be tested scientifically or proven logically. And so you see this positivism growing within modernism. Again, the only two isms we've covered so far, modernism, positivism, okay? Don't, don't get confused. So worldviews impact what we see as important, and history plays an important part of that as well. So you can see the impact of history and culture on worldview and now how it's beginning to change how people are approaching science and Christianity. So within psychology, we have a handful of worldviews. Again, a few more isms. One is called naturalism. Naturalism focuses on that which can be measured and observed, very similar to positivism. Everything that can be tested scientifically or proven logically, naturalism, Think of naturalism as the natural world, that which I can see or touch. Like I can touch this podium right here. I can, so I can 
say that that exists. Materialistic naturalism the only, states the only thing that exists is the material world. It does not leave any room for the supernatural or a deity such as God. It does not leave room for miracles. There has to be some physical, testable, um, materialistic explanation. Humanistic naturalism was kind of a response to materialistic naturalism, and they have placed the value back in the human. But the value doesn't come from God. The value is inherent in the human to begin with. So within the worldviews of psychology, you see how um, it impacts how we do science. And this is biblical counseling's issue with psychology is that they're very materialistic or they're very humanistic. There's no room for God. So how can we trust the results that psychology produces? Because this is their worldview. This is what shapes how they do the things that they do. So materialistic naturalism reduces everything to smaller parts. And so in other words, I'm not just a human. I have a cardiovascular system and I have a respiratory system. You know, I have the different body parts. We could even get down to the cellular level, even to um, the subatomic particles that make up my body. And so the materialism becomes very reductionistic. Um, again, humanistic naturalism was a response to that materialism. It's much more holistic. It, it tends to see people as inherently good. And you've seen, you see a lot of counseling theories. Some of these you may have heard of, like Carl Rogers and his um, person-centered therapy. Carl Rogers saw people as inherently good. This is very much based in humanism. And he believed that humans had it within themselves to fix themselves. They just needed the encouragement to do so, essentially. So from a Christian perspective, what do we do with naturalism? It only examines the observable, so there's no room for God. So what do we do with that? One, we have to realize it's not all bad. It's led to many great discoveries, not just in the field of psychology, but in science. But we have to be cautious because of the worldview. We have to recognize because there's no room for God, there's also room for error in the research that they're doing and the, how they even interpret their data. With evaluating humanism, it is less reductionistic, which is good because we start to see people as people and it's emphasizing the value the value of people. However, we talked about this in the last unit, Romans 3. There's no one who's good. We're all just... Sin has impacted every part of who we are. This is where the concept of total, total depravity comes into play. Our value comes from Christ and being created in the image of God, not just because I am a person. Um, my value doesn't come from myself. My value comes from God and the fact that I have a good God who made me. And so that's where our value comes from. Psychology has no foundation for claiming goodness. We can't just self-proclaim our goodness. And so we can see the value of humanism. We can see the value of naturalism and also be cautious with those and yet not abandon them. Now, more recently, you've seen something called pantheistic pantheistic monism. Now, you don't see a ton of pantheism within psychology. You do see it with Carl Jung and his collective unconscious. Um, but pantheism believes that everything is God. We talked about this. I think it was unit one. 
I mentioned it briefly, that everything is God. Creation is God. We, we don't believe that. We believe that God is everywhere, but he is not creation. God is separate from creation. He made creation. And so you'll occasionally see some concepts of karma included within pantheistic monism. What we more see is something called transpersonal psychology, which has grown out of that pantheistic monism. Transpersonal psychology is where we get certain Eastern religious practices, such as meditation. And this is very much present in psychology. You'll see a lot of things like mindfulness and meditation. And there are certainly some Christian versions of that. Christians have their own meditation that we're encouraged to do. But this form of meditation, the clearing of the mind, the emptying of the mind, comes from Eastern religious practices. And we see this influence in psychology today. Maslow referred to this to humanism as the third force and transpersonal psychology as the fourth force of psychology. And so then the question becomes, if we know the worldview, should we use them? Or should we do something else? Should we Christianize them? Should we abandon them? Should we transform them in some way? And this is at the heart of the issue with integration. So you'll have some people that are perspectivalist who this is similar to what we talked about levels of explanation that different fields are just explaining things in different ways um repositioners are going to try to transform these things and so when we're talking about things like mindfulness or um, meditation is it just a thing that we're doing do we need to transform it? Do we need to abandon it? From the perspective of worldview integration, though, looking at this perspectivalist versus repositioners, if we're going to go in some route of integration and not the biblical counseling route, then we need to look at the um, bigger picture of what are we going to do, with not just with Scripture, but with all of psychology from a Christian perspective. Are we going to look at it at different levels? Are we going to try to transform it in some way? Are we going to do original research? And so you can see how worldview really impacts this. And so um, psychology's worldview leads to empiricism. And so psychology is trying to test things. Um, it leads to reductionism. As Christians, we need to engage in empirical research. We also need to humanize science. We need to see people as more than just a collection of atoms or a collection of cells, but that we're physical beings with a soul. So in this chapter, we've defined domains. We've looked at the two books that God's written, Bible and Creation. We gave a brief overview of the history of integration. I mean, very brief. Your book gets into a lot more. Um, we gave an overview of the different worldviews and the um, of psychology and of Christianity and briefly talked about the integration of those worldviews. Just a heads up, you will see worldviews of psychology on your final exam. You should be prepared to discuss the different worldviews of psychology, um, the naturalism, the humanism, uh, the pan 
the pantheistic monism and the transpersonal psychology, you need to be prepared to talk about those on your final exam. So just a heads up there so you can um, take some good notes for that. Um, as always, make sure you're reading your books. Make sure that you are working on, if you have not finished up your worldview papers, make sure you finish those up and get those turned in. Make sure that you are beginning to focus on that research paper, trying to find a topic because you've got to get that started. You've got to start doing the research for it. If you have any questions about that, make sure you talk with your professor. There is a quiz for this week. And as always, there are discussion questions. Um, here's the references for the books that I cited. And again, to stay engaged, stay on schedule, and you'll do great. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.